Welcome to episode three of the Future Firm Accounting Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Lozanis, and this episode is sponsored by Xero. With Xero's cloud accounting software, small businesses and accountants can work together and collaborate anytime, anywhere. With real-time financials, bank connections, unlimited users, and online invoicing, it's beautiful accounting software that's powered by people. Xero is also currently hosting its annual roadshows across Canada and the US in October and November to help firms learn more about the product. To register for free, head over to Xero.com slash roadshow. Today, I'm joined by two people I have known since the earlier days of my journey into cloud accounting, Mike Pincus and Lior Zetzer, partners and founders of Connect CPA out of Toronto, Canada. Connect CPA was awarded Zero Platinum Partner of the Year in 2018, and in my opinion, are leading the way in terms of innovation across Canada and North America. The firm operates completely virtually, and I'm looking forward to talking to Mike and Lior about their journey into a remote model and how they currently manage it. For more information on firms that are doing a great job running a remote practice, check out my free Future Firm weekly top five email, which curates the top five pieces of content to help future-proof your firm and see into the future by visiting newsletter.futurefirm.co. So guys, I'm used to speaking to you uh, both as, quote, competitors, but it's cool to see that we're doing this show in a bit of a different dynamic today. So welcome, uh, welcome, and thanks for being here today. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. I guess we're friends now. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I was kind of reviewing a few of our emails, just kind of going down memory lane. And I don't know, do you guys remember our very first interaction, the very first time we, we, we linked up? I don't. I don't, I don't either. Yeah, I didn't either. So uh, it was interesting to see like, um, so it dates back to uh, June 2014. And um, we were one of the only cloud firms in the country at, at, at that point. And uh, I remember that I actually sent over a referral to you guys. It was for, uh, for an audit engagement. And um, the, the relationship kind of started from there. And I remember that you know, it was such a small community that we, that's why I said, quote, competitors, because we all kind of shared ideas at that, at that stage of the game, because none of us, we were all kind of figuring out the, the landscape and the ecosystem at that stage of the game. So I thought it was a little bit interesting just to kind of, uh, like I said, go down memory lane and see some of our earlier uh, conversations. Um, and, you know, we typically bump into each other at a few conferences during the year. Um, you guys heading to any, any conferences coming up lately? Nothing on the agenda, I don't think, Mike. No, not not that I know of. That's coming up really soon. No. Okay. Um, well, why don't we start this by just maybe you can give give me a little bit of a, a background on Connect CPA. Um, tell me a little bit about the firm. Sure. By the way, Ryan, when when was that email? Two thousand thirteen. That was um, that was um, mid two thousand fourteen. Oh wow. And I, I think there was even other referrals that were passed along the way too. There, there might have been. There might the have small, been. Small community, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so high level, uh, Connect CPA. Um, we were founded in, Lear and I met up in late, I'd say late to mid 2013, I believe was the timeline. And just a, a history of how we know each other. We, we started PwC together back in 2006, 2007 time period. And uh, around that time, we, we brought up in traditional accounting environment, like a lot of the people in our space. Um, and Lior and I became really close friends uh, back in that that time period. And we didn't last very long at the big four, but our friendship remained in, intact, like way beyond 
2007. And so from 2007 leading up to the time that we eventually branched off into Connect CPA and uh, I'd say mid-2013, um, Lior was running his own uh, practice at the time. And I had just left a traditional small firm where I had a handful of clients that I brought with me. Um, and we were we were having a drink and just discussing how there's probably a better way of, of running an accounting practice. And something you might not know about me, Ryan, before this is that I, I was actually thinking of getting out of accounting altogether. I was actually working on a startup in the wedding industry, which I'm not going to get into in much depth. But I was I was sick of being an accountant, and uh, yeah. but I was still to pay the bills. I was servicing the few clients that I had. Uh, there were a few corporate clients, and Lior had his own book. And um, Lior, maybe you can take over from here. He had discovered FreshBooks, and and that kind of led to Lior kind of explaining part of this like cloud journey. Yeah, I was uh, doing my own thing, a bunch of clients and different, uh, using different platforms. I was using FreshBooks myself, uh, and just from, you know, conversations with other accountants, uh, just uh, in, in terms of, you know, how they're, what they're seeing in, in the industry, the topic of cloud accounting came up. And that's really where Mike and I continued that conversation. Eventually, that led us to, you know, Google, uh, where we started researching cloud accounting further. And um, that led us to practices in Australia. Um, cool. that's kind of where it was happening. I know we're going off on a tangent here. Uh, Ryan asked about, about connect CPA, but, uh, really it started with that in terms of getting on Skype calls with Australian firms and understanding the business model and what they're doing and why, and it really that led to zero as well and the other apps and integrations. And we thought, wow, this is really cool. Um, I don't know many that are doing it here and we just, it just looked like more fun, more cutting edge and. We had no, no idea, obviously, what we were getting into. It was literally just like, I think it was a handshake in my condo. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, we went for it. Awesome. And, and you guys started in 2013, 2000, early 2014. Do you remember when you started exactly? Yeah, our original, our original launch time was uh, two, January 1, 2014 was like officially launched. Everything before that was just whiteboarding the concepts and processes and, and everything leading up to that. But I'd say like the actual launch of Connect CPA was January 1, 2014. Okay. And you started just the two of you, right? Yeah, it was yeah. just the two of us. And, and uh, yeah. Okay, so um, you started in uh, January first, two thousand fourteen, and um, you guys started just the two of you. How how big is the team now? So as of today, we're at twenty six, um, and yeah, we're hiring. So we're hoping to be probably but by thirty or more by the end of the year. But right now, we're at twenty six. Wow, that's that's great. Um, so you. Um, we're going to get to the team and the remote culture and, and uh, how your team is distributed across the country a little bit later, but um, just a little bit more on Connect CPA and what kind of makes you, I guess, different. Uh, if I go to your website, I think like one of the first things on your website says, see accounting done differently. So what does that mean exactly? Well, I, I think I think it goes back to the difference between uh, a traditional firm and a firm that is is a technology specialist firm, which is what we've tried to brand ourselves as. And um, see accounting done di- uh, differently is under, I'm sure as you're familiar, Ryan, like the traditional models that meet your accountant once a year, get billed by the hour. Um, it's a suit and tie type culture. It's a time tracking culture. Um, it's just 
making a shift from that paradigm to something that's completely different and customer focused. And so when we say see accounting done differently, it's our our mandate, I guess, as a firm is to focus on the customer and almost be obsessed over customer experience. And that's a big shift from um, an industry which is typically known to have barriers or adversary type relationships to customers, meaning an hourly rate to keep the clients away from you and, the, and those barriers in place through timesheets. And so um, we were trying to break that mold. Got it. Um, and then, you know, you had a pretty, pretty nice award last year, 2018 Zero Platinum Partner of the Year. So uh, that's, that's a nice one under your belt. Um, wh- why do you think that was, that was awarded? I wish I knew. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> um, I think a lot of it had to do with just maybe our uh, involvement in the community more so than just, hey, let's add zero clients or you know help zero uh, get a footholding in North America. It was our involvement with zero in the community. We're you know we're both Mike as well was speaking uh, at um, at conferences. I think we were at the Bookkeeper Conference, the IPBC. We we're doing a bunch of local local gatherings and speaking about zero. And so I think that helped propel us to to, to get that award. Okay, awesome. Um, how would you guys describe your firm's culture? That's an excellent question. So I I would say we have we have a unique culture. We're we're a younger we're a younger team, I'd say by traditional accounting standards. But besides besides that, we're we're a culture that's on one hand laid back, but on another hand, we were very strict and, and look for excellence in everything that we do as, as a team. And so I think all the team members like push themselves to live by we have core values that we have in place as a firm, and there's ten of them. And um the culture aspect of the firm is probably the most important. It's the reason why on the first day anyone starts working at Connect CPA, they actually jump into a meeting with me where we go through those 10 core values and we talk about how we hire, fire, and promote based off those values. And so instead of going through the million things that you have in terms of your your job and your responsibilities and your day-to-day work, we narrow it down to these 10 core attributes that we think everybody that works at the firm should live by. And so um, those those are the things that, that guide us. And I'm not going to jump into all of them right now, but uh, the two key ones that come to mind are number one is team first, meaning we put our team above all else and we look out for one another and we try to help each other in terms of growth and opportunities. And then the second one is to obsess over customers, which is to not just try to deliver a service to customers, but to obsess, to try to go above and beyond what a customer would even expect out of you. Yeah. And is there anything that sticks out for you, Lior, any particular value that you connect with more uh, than some of the others? I I, th- I think it would be team first. Yeah. I'm, uh, we, a bunch of us did um, some some survey over uh, strengths and weaknesses and I, and I believe mine was, was teamwork. And so, mm-hmm. um, I remember we were all chatting about that just, this was only a few weeks ago. And so that one's the one that resonates with me. I like to put others ahead of myself. And, uh, but I think I, it's not just me. Everyone does the same. And, uh, especially we were just, as I mentioned, we were at a team retreat the other day. It was just nice to see everyone get, yeah. getting along and you, you could see that, uh, that team first mentality resonates with everyone. Cool. Yeah. I definitely want to get to that team retreat uh, a little bit later on. Um, but Mike, you said uh, you said um, you said that you guys are laid back. How how are you laid back? Maybe, and do you think that's different from 
from most of the firms or more of the traditional firms out there? Maybe you can go into that a little bit more. Sure, I think things are shifting. So, uh, so I definitely I don't want to I don't want to single out any of the firms we've worked for in the past or say that that they are different from us in in any way. I I, I don't I don't actually know because there's been a shift in the market. But when I say laid back, I mean from the perspective of we don't have dress codes. Um, we give a ton of autonomy to everyone on the team to almost run as if they are mini entrepreneurs under the Connect CPA umbrella. And so we care about work getting done more so than we care about when that work gets done. Now, there are general policies that are in place. And, and I guess as you grow and you scale in a company, you have to put policies and procedures in place to prevent, to, so people know what they're doing more than anything. But generally, as long as it's within the general work hours of the day, people have complete autonomy to wear what they want, do what they want within the time frame, as long as work is getting done and we're living by those core values. Do you have an office at the moment? That is a great question, Lear. You we, want to answer? Yeah, we have an office um, that we started in 2013. Uh, it's actually from a family friend, so the rent is super cheap. And so we kept it. Nobody actually comes here. Uh, but we come here once in a while just to meet. Are you there right now? Yeah, we come okay. here just to do some strategy sessions once in a while. Yeah. Uh, there's a whiteboard here just once in a while, but um, say 99% of the time we're, we're working from home remotely. Okay, so everybody else on the team is distributed across the country working remotely. Is that right? Correct, yeah. From coast to coast? Coast to coast. We could even tell you how many provinces because there's a trivia question on the retreat. Let's hear it's, it. It's, it's uh, seven, right, Lear? Yeah. I think it's seven, yeah. Yeah, seven provinces. You got to get to all, all provinces and territories at some point then. Yeah, by December, <laughs> let's do it. That's a goal. <laughs> so I think when we first met, though, you were primarily working out of the office. Um, yeah. Can you tell me a bit about your journey from physical office to maybe a hybrid model to fully yeah. remote. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Sure. So it was never a hybrid model. It started as uh, an in-office, uh, in, in an in-office environment. That's because I don't think we knew anyone really doing remote at that time. We didn't even know how to do it. It wasn't really even a thought. Um, I think we've always discussed working from home. The idea was nice, but it wasn't anything that we really seriously thought about. Um, I also think there wasn't, you know, like, I don't think Slack existed at that time, or if it was, nobody knew about it, and Zoom wasn't there as, as well, and so it was harder to do. Uh, so it was in office, it was Mike and I, and then we hired our first employee, I think nine or 10 months in, or 11 months in, um, and slowly, you know, the office is, is not huge. Again, it was just a, a meeting spot initially, just work out of and meet. Uh, and so eventually the team grew to a point where we had to make a decision, do we build out this office further and like incur construction costs and time and, or do we lease a new, a new spot? And just, we weren't, something in our gut was telling us not to do that and really start looking outward and seeing what we can do in terms of remotes, especially since we were using mostly cloud tools or all cloud tools really on the accounting side of things. And so once kind of, you know, Zoom, Zoom reared its head and because we were using Skype, which wasn't as mm -hmm. reliable. And so Zoom was a big one and Slack and all these other apps we're using now to kind of give us the infrastructure uh, and the ability to go remote. That's when we just said, I think we just, I don't remember when that was. I think it was 2015, probably maybe later in 2015, where we just said to everyone, all right, we're going to start working from home. And so we just, we made that leap and 
that, and it's been great ever since. I mean, it's 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 obviously a, a big job, especially when you have clients in motion and work in motion. But somehow, yeah, it worked. Do you remember what that looked like? Like, how did you actually take that leap? Then was there certain things you had to plan for, or did it just you just jumped in and figured yeah. it out on what, the go? Or? Yeah. So what it was is we were using all these tools already, like in office, right? And so we just it wasn't a huge transition. Rather than what the trend, the, the biggest transition was just the supervision. You know, the empowerment to everyone to work on themselves and be autonomous. I think it was more that the cultural side of things than the actual. Uh, you know, hey, what apps are we using? And then obviously it's the equipment with everyone with. The, with with the team and logistics and all that that's for new for new hires but for the existing team members it was just like hey we're using all these things already in mm -hmm. office uh they're pretty good we now are using them quite a bit and we're you know pretty much fluent in them let's start using these from home so i believe we picked a day it's honestly like i don't remember it anymore but we picked the day and just went with it and mm -hmm. i think it was pretty smooth was there any mistakes that you made that you could recollect from when you moved to that model? Anything you wish you would have maybe done differently or done better? Uh, I, I would say, yeah, there's a few things that, that going to that model, like what, what Lior mentioned, first of all, was like your procedures and processes to, to ship equipment and monitors and hubs and, and just like standardizing just the hiring process um, when it's remote was one thing, but also there's the legal side of understanding hiring in other provinces and acquiring talent outside of your main jurisdiction. And then oversight, like we were used to having when we were a team of five or six, we had a literal water cooler. Like we had a mm -hmm. coffee machine, a water cooler. We actually used to do mini putt golf tournaments every mm -hmm. single Friday for Amazon gift cards as a reward. And so we went from yeah. that culture to not seeing people. And that led to full autonomy and people could be wherever they wanted, whenever they wanted. And so I would say like the biggest mistake we made was we didn't really define policies, mm -hmm. meaning it's one thing to give autonomy, but we didn't say like, hey, you have to be somewhat around during working hours or your clients won't be able to reach you. Or for example, if, you're, if you go away for a week uh, on vacation, you were responsible for keeping up with like your inbox and things. And those are things that you just discuss a lot more frequently when you're in person, when you're like seeing each other every day, you're like, oh, you're going away next week. Uh, just make sure to keep up with ABC. When you don't physically see a person every single day, um, it just wasn't communicated what those procedures and policies were. And so I'd say that was the biggest misstep. Yeah. Yeah, I could kind of relate to that because I went through a similar uh, a similar transition and, you know, we had a foosball table and we had like games and a fun kind of office, you know. So um, when that went away, um, it was about how do you kind of like keep those interactions together. And also, like you said, you have to have a few policies around how work is done. Um, so I don't think you guys use timesheets, though, do you? We don't. So... A lot of firm owners and leaders at firms, you know, when they look at someone working remotely, um, they want to make sure that person is actually doing the work. Uh, when they're in an office, they, they feel they have better oversight over that person, especially with a timesheet because they can see the actual inputs and the, 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 the time they're recording and therefore the work that they're doing. Um, how do you make sure that 
work is getting done when you can't actually visibly see that person? I, I think it comes down to trust. And I, I think there's like a trade-off. There's a few things at play here. One is utilization, meaning like what are your capacity points, which is something timesheets I'd say are excellent at. But then there's another thing, which is living by core values and getting work done, which is a completely separate separate thing altogether, which is do you trust your, your team that they're working as hard as they possibly can to achieve an objective and get work done? And so if everything under the core values and the trust piece is working according to how you believe it should, meaning you're hiring the best people and you trust them and you're, and you're giving them that, that sense of trust, then the only other piece is the utilization, which we have a standard costing model over how we track utilization. But I should mention, we're not against timesheets, uh, specifically over like the bookkeeping function, but maybe not like, we're not using it at the moment, but it's something that we've definitely had conversations over creating like baseline metrics using timesheets for just understanding the bookkeeping side of things. Um, so we're definitely not against a timesheet for internal purposes. If you wanted to create a benchmark or a baseline of where you're at with a uh, typical client, but in terms of like the fear that people aren't doing work, I think it comes back to core values and trust and we trust our team and it's there, it's there for them to lose. Meaning like on day one, they're given trust and that's part of joining our team. So if I understand correctly, you would use a timesheet maybe for certain things um, to understand how much time something would take and then use that uh, for maybe workload or capacity planning purposes. Do I understand that correctly? Yeah, so spot on. So like there's certain things which I don't think are as necessary to require timesheets. So for example, notice to reader work and compliance work is a little bit more predictable in its nature. Bookkeeping work varies widely based on a whole host of factors and it's also very dynamic, meaning a company can add five credit cards, two new bank accounts, double in size, and all of a sudden the transactions are three times what they were two months ago. And so the, the variability of, of bookkeeping lends itself to be, to be um, very useful to have a timesheet over. And that's why in our strategic discussions, we've, we've discussed setting those like baselines um, possibly on the bookkeeping side using a timesheet, but not to have it on an ongoing basis as part of your regular procedure to track time. As far as the accounting compliance, we, we hold a pretty firm stance that we stick to a standard costing model and we, um, um, we're we probably never going to introduce timesheets on that side of the business. But as of now, we're not really using them on either side of the business yet. Okay. And uh, you said earlier that you give autonomy, uh, a lot of autonomy and flexibility to your team. Um, how flexible are you really? So we we came up, we had that discussion actually earlier in the year in, in January, and um, yeah, it's impossible to give you know one hundred percent flexibility in a in a in the landscape of where you know most work is done in a nine to five kind of you know segments. Uh, and so we came up with a, with a policy of, uh, I think we said, try to, you, sh you should be, if you want to call it, at your computer or in front of your computer to take either, you know, uh, meetings for your team internally or externally from clients 80% of the time uh, throughout like your own, in your time zone, like a nine to five, let's say 80% of the time you should try to be there to take calls. So that does not include lunch, like lunch time or whatever it is. So over and above a lunch period, 
there's an extra 20% kind of flexibility, but that's, it's not a hard and fast rule, right? Like we, 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 we definitely want to give flexibility. So we don't want someone sticking by these like little metrics. It was just an overall guideline for everyone. Mm-hmm. Got it. And um, why do you think auto- uh, like flexibility is important now? Like, do you think it's different from a few years ago? Do you think flexibility, offering flexible work arrangements is more important now than it was before? What's your thoughts on that? I think it's what attracts talent more than anything. Um, we get hundreds of applications every time we put out a, a job post. And, and I think that's a testament to the fact that people are looking for new ways to get work done. Um, and a lot of, a lot of our team have, they have families, some of them have kids and they've got to go to daycare and run back and forth. And like the flexibility is an intangible that you just can't replace. I mean, when people are used to clocking into an office, having FaceTime with the partners, um, it's such a, to most people, a refreshing shift to just be able to go and get done what you need to get done and create a little bit more harmony and balance in your life. And, and I think many years ago, I shouldn't say many, I don't know how, like five, 10, 20 years ago, I, th- I think that it wasn't even an option, especially maybe in the accounting industry. And so if there's a job post, show all of a sudden providing you with flexibility, you're going to apply for it, right? So, um, yeah. Do you think that's like a prerequisite almost for some candidates today? Or is this just like a perk? What's your thought? Unless you're coming from a remote environment already, I don't know if it's a prerequisite. I think it's a huge perk for sure. Uh, to some, you know, I, you know, we do get candidates that are looking for remote work only. So to some, I'm sure it's a prerequisite, but I think that's just a handful of people. So I think, uh, so I saw one of your blog posts um, had to do with remote work. And um, it, it was mentioned on this post that, um, working remotely provides a better working experience and contributes to overall happier days uh, for your team. Why do you think that is? Well, I I think it comes back to people get to live the lifestyle that they love to live. And I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I think we're attracting people that have, I guess, a side to them where they want to have that freedom or flexibility and the only way to get that is to either start your own business and take on a huge amount of risk or to join a company that that promotes that like Connect CPA. And so an example of that is uh, Tracy on our team has been taking, she's been camping, going through provincial parks across the country and um, and traveling and working remotely from inside of uh, a trailer. And, and this is one of those things that you just couldn't do as Leroy was mentioning 10 years ago, it was just not an option to be able to travel around to provincial parks, see new parts of Canada and gain like uh, an experience over travel while still working, meaning you'd have to take a vacation in order to do something like that. But when you're a remote firm, all you really need is an internet connection and you can work from anywhere. So it creates that level of opportunity. And there's new people joining the team right now that have that same I guess adventure bug, and uh, and they they fit with their culture perfectly. And you feel people are able to adequately manage, you know, uh, work and being able to travel to different places. Like that's that's worked out well. Net promoter scores do not lie. Um, yeah, we yeah. Uh, we 
we issue out net promoter scores to all of our clients about mm-hmm. about understanding how they feel about our team, how they feel about management, and um, and yeah, it it does it tells the story. And uh, if people are able to get their work done and and deliver customer experience, then absolutely it's possible. Awesome. Um, so you need an internet connection, though. Um, interesting to hear about uh, Tracy with uh, with the camper. Is there internet in all the places that she's going to, or are there other way thing ways where you had to manage that sometimes? Um, just a bit curious have, on that. Yeah, we haven't really got too much involved in that, to be honest with you. So I don't think we have. I don't know. At least I don't have an answer for that. But she's she has her internet. She has her internet set up, so she probably maybe figures out what she has yeah. to do to get internet in specific spots. But yeah, it hasn't been an issue. Yeah. Your your requirement is just make sure you have a good internet connection, basically. Yes. Yeah. As, as part of our hiring process, uh, we have a list of requirements. And that part of that is having an internet connection, yeah. like a good internet, a solid and, internet connection. And our time. team is our team is sharp. Like these, like, like all these people on our team are, they're super sharp people. And so like, they know what they have to do to figure Like if they go to an area where there's not internet, they're not going to stay there because they know they can't get their work done right. from there. So like common sense always prevails. And, and then it goes back to trust. Like the reason why Lear and I don't even know ourselves is because we just trust that obviously Tracy has internet. Wherever she's going, she definitely has internet. So how does uh, onboarding a new team member, a new employee, how does it differ now than maybe what it used to look like when you had an office? Um, Like for one, you said, um, uh, you know, you'd have to ship the equipment out uh, differently Mm -hmm. instead of having it shipped to the office. Mm -hmm. Like what what other things are different and how is the training differed as well? What, What sort of things do you maybe need to put emphasis on? Yeah, I think it's just more more planning. Uh, and, and also when I say planning, not just a week prior, but also setting up, you know, cloud-based, you know, training programs and ensuring that someone's up to speed as quick as possible, because it, I think it obviously is different than in a, in a physical office, right? In a physical office, you have your computer here, someone logs in, they, they're beside you, if they have any questions, there's someone usually close by to, to help them. Um, whereas remote, uh, I mean, people are still there through video chat, but I think it's it's a little different, right? So we have extensive training guides, like hundreds and hundreds of slides and videos. Um, that's after the whole logistics part of, you know, getting the equipment and information and starting days and all that stuff out to new team, team members. So a lot of it is just planning in advance and just getting training up and running and having a, a very comprehensive training plan. Yeah. And each, so each employee, by the way, the, sorry to interject here, each employee every day knows exactly what they're doing in their first week of work, like day one, day two, day three, like what they're doing and why. And that goes back to that, that training program. And how, how would you integrate uh, someone into the culture of the firm? Because that's a little bit different when you have a more remote yeah. model, when you're, when you have an office, they come into the office, they get to shake hands with everyone, they get to see everyone. What do you do to kind of integrate a new team member into a remote culture? I think it just happens by osmosis. I think um, part of it is that core value conversation that Mike mentioned earlier that he has with every new hire. Um, and then 
subsequent to that, it's really just, you know, I'd say mostly our probably Slack and our, mm-hmm. our, our, our gifts and our memes and just slowly, you know, the new, the new hire kind of gets to understand how everyone operates and their culture and when it's time to be serious, when it's time to joke around. Uh, and I think it just happens over time naturally. Yeah. Cool. Um, I should I should say though as part of the our comprehensive training so whether it's for the bookkeeping team or payroll or you know the accounting team there's still a quite uh, quite a long list of you know just talking about culture within the training right but again mm-hmm. that's just that's verbiage right it's mm-hmm. not uh, it's not actual practical if you want to call it experience and so it's really just happens naturally over time but they do get a sense of it from uh, from the training right. from the training deck training deck we have and i think culture is pretty important for you guys um you know you you mentioned you just came back from a team retreat um curious about what you guys did you know i've seen some pictures on social media from prior years look like you guys had a pretty good time at those retreats um what did, what do you guys do this time you want to take us there sure i mean we uh we stayed at a at a nice uh swanky uh conference slash uh, resort in uh, Niagara Falls, Niagara on the Lake. And uh, really the purpose of this is because we're all remote, we don't get to see each other. We don't get to see each other in person. So the main purpose of this is really just of these retreats is really just to hang out and get to know each other better and just uh, have fun, really. Uh, I know it's cliche, but that really is is the whole purpose of it. And through that, uh, to, to do that, to achieve that, we just, you know, we, we went on a winery tour, uh, did some bowling, um, we had some meetings just to go over process building, just to get everyone else involved. But overall, it's just, you know, have dinner, lunch, breakfast, uh, you know, winery tour, bowling, and through through that, we all get to sit with different people and talk to different people and just get to know the team better. And uh, how, how long was it? It was uh, like two and a half days, so two nights. And uh, interestingly enough, when Mike and I just started uh, at PwC, so this this was in 07, I believe, they took us there to White Oak. So it was just it was uh, it was funny how you know how, how things work out, and you know whatever seven, Contact eight, nine later. years later, we're back yeah. there. Hmm. Yeah, we're back there. So it was interesting. Nice. Yeah, I think it's pretty important if you have a remote team. I, I remember like um, you know my last firm. Um, you know, we had a, we did a retreat annually as well. And, uh, I think you really see a different side of people when you can kind of, uh, just, I think the face-to-face aspect, it's hard to replace. Uh, I think there's a lot of benefits with the remote model, but obviously face-to-face you have different kind of connections and interactions. And, uh, I think that really, uh, shines, uh, comes across, um, during these retreats. Would you agree with that? For sure. I think people become better friends or get at least get to know each other much better. And that lends itself to our, you know, our first, uh, our core value, which is team first. So you could just see friendships being made and, you know, people are bowling and high-fiving each other. And so I think it was really nice to see. And it was definitely something we want to continue doing as we grow. So who is the better bowler between you two? I was yeah, I think we are yeah. I hit my ass this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I hit a one twenty nine, which I was actually really surprised about. Which is a decent decent. And how how often you guys do a retreat? Is it once a year? Is that Yes. So yeah. we do it once a year, but we have we've definitely brought up the idea of uh maybe just doing it twice a year or, or maybe parts of the team, you know, twice a year, something like that, but so far it's just once a year. 
so this is one thing that you guys do to kind of keep the culture the uh, the culture gelled together. Um, is there anything else that you do throughout the year to that you think helps to keep a remote team together and and keep the culture strong? Yeah, I, I think that at scale you have to involve the team to care about who's being hired onto the team. So, like when we interview, we have other team members that that come into the interview process to help us select new candidates because um, one thing about a team that wants to succeed together and and deliver amazing customer experience together is that as soon as a weak link is hired onto the team, it reflects poorly on whoever brought that person onto the team and it affects their work. And so everyone on the team wants the new hires to be just like them, meaning hardworking, dedicated, and and a good culture fit. Meaning, like they can have fun. They can someone you'd have a, you'd be able to have a drink with. Um, and so, the way we, that we try to do that is we get we ask for feedback constantly from management, from team team members at all levels to understand like how do they feel about other people on the team. Um, does anyone, is there any things that stand out that aren't working or that are working and to really involve our team, in the hiring process, because that way you right away from day one, know that you're bringing on someone that other people on the team approve of. Okay. And, and that's when you're looking to hire a new team member. Um, what about like with the existing team, is there anything anything else yeah. that you do to so, kind of keep things together yeah so for a while which we were looking to start up again we we're doing a bi i think it was a bi-weekly yeah bi-weekly uh zoom mm -hmm. uh video chat with uh four or five team members and so it would be random every two weeks and we just mm -hmm. literally have a drink on video and chat and talk about what we're doing you know talk about plans for the weekend talk about how the week went nothing business related just kind of talk about life uh that's part of it uh during tax season we're doing we had a bingo game set up and whoever, you know, uh, you know, a bingo card with different scenarios. Uh, yeah. Like, hey, the first time a client is rude to you or the first time mm -hmm. uh, you meet someone that raised or you, you, you talk to a client that just raised around and helped them out or something like that. And mm -hmm. Once you hit these boxes, um, you win a prize, things like that. So we have these games yeah. throughout the year once in a while and the video chats. And, uh, and I think the last thing is we have a um, – a, a slack channel called kudos and when someone does something well people yeah. chime in and let the whole team know and sometimes we send gift cards for a job well done and things like that and so that's uh what we've been doing now but yeah we're always looking for new ways to improve it yeah i think the games those games um that you can that can play here and there are a good idea i think um you know, having you like you said, those casual conversations that are not work related. Um, you know, scheduling routine calls like that, I think, are good is a good idea as well. So, who comes up with the game ideas? We have people on the team that, uh, that just take the lead, and we'll just set it up once in a while. They'll just there, there isn't one designated person, yeah. And so, once in a while, they just say, "Hey, I found this uh, game that we should all do," and then they take the lead on setting it up. Okay. Um, so clearly technology is important for you guys. Uh, you mentioned that Slack, uh, you know, that that's how you talk about things at the firm. You Zoom. What other apps can't you live without when managing a remote team? What other tools do you like? Um, huge fans of Asana. Uh, it, became, mm -hmm. it became one of those things that... Um, 
it wasn't being used for for job management per se, but we realized that there's so many things in the day that need to get done, and there are th- these one-off tasks. And Lear and I were managing our days in, in the early days using something called GQs. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, yeah. Ryan, but it's, yeah. yeah. I was using okay, GQs so, in the early days. Yeah, okay, well. so so you're you're familiar. So like back in the yeah. early days, it was we were the only ones that really had call it a to do list uh, application that we were using, and everyone on the team they did their own thing. Some people were pen and paper, and other people had probably a system similar to GQs, uh, to Doist. It wasn't like it wasn't standardized, and so. Um, bringing Asana into the fold and and integrations with that to Slack just started to make things gel together because it's it's the what the micro tasks that get lost in the shuffle um like what like it, little things like hey we've got to respond to CRA by this day or uh mm-hmm. we've got to re- we've got to get back to a client because they reached out with something out of the box from their out of the scope of their engagement yeah. or these things that are not what i would call standard project driven repeatable things like like a year end mm-hmm. like a year end tax filing as an example mm-hmm. i'll uh, i'll add um a few well-known apps as well, like Calendly and Zapier. Uh, those are huge, obviously, too. Just to, okay. they help with they help with productivity and uh, and workflows. So, so Zapier, like, what what sort of things are you using it for for purposes of uh, managing a remote team? Let's say uh, we just have a bunch of workflows set up uh, with our CRM and Slack. Just more for. Uh, I guess notifying certain team members of you know different actions that have just occurred, mm-hmm. uh, and just in terms of setting up like folders, like just kind of ma- like processes that are manually driven. Usually, we've used Zapier. We've added Zapier to automate. So even even birthdays of the team go into yep. go into Slack, so we know when it's someone's birthday. Yep. Something that's a simple thing, but yeah, Zapier yep. automates so much or, for us. Or when or when people are taking vacation, like. You know, in a remote team, we're at 26 now. I, we were finding that we didn't know, even though someone would book off vacation, you'd forget. Like, you wouldn't know if it's mm, two months. Yeah. Event. Like, if someone's not in the office usually, then if you have in an office environment, then you know not to ask them a question, right? But if they're not in an office, you you forget or you have no idea. And so yeah, they can set, you know, vacation reminders on and uh, vacation statuses, for example, in Slack. But we have a Zapier workflow from our HR system into Slack that tells us every day who's out for the day. Yeah, and and we're in uh, Bamboo HR for for that HR system because that's something that was also added once the team reached a certain size to put in the policies, procedures, and like know where people are at, where people like requests and permissions for vacation days and all that fun stuff. So mm-hmm. Bamboo's been a big help too. Yeah. When when did when did you implement that? I think uh, beginning of last year. Yeah. 2018 okay. at some point. Yeah. It, it's kept things a little bit more organized then. Yeah. On the yeah HR for sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, for firms that are considering implementing a more remote culture, what are certain things you think you know they should think about? What do they need to consider before maybe implementing a remote culture? Well, I, I think I think first and foremost they have to they have to think about what tools they need in order to operate remotely. And as we mentioned, there's a whole host of them that become, I guess, best of breed from like Zoom to Slack, etc. Like there's they're it's now well known what what tools you need at a bare minimum in order to establish a remote um, a remote company. But then beyond that, it's it's thinking about all the things that you need to take care of that 
that you normally would have in person. And those are harder to implement, which is like culture and, and understanding where people are at and having just like policies and procedures over what you can and cannot do when you can't physically see someone every single day. So, um, but yeah, it starts with getting the right tech stack in place and then starting to think about what are the things you do in person that you can't do remotely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Um, so I took a look at your Instagram as well, and I think it really highlights if anyone wants to check out, you know, what a remote culture looks like. I think Connect CPA's Instagram is a very, very good example of that. And it really highlights all the places you and your team have worked from. And I don't think that's possible unless you really have like a strong, uh, strong remote culture in place. Um, What are some of the cooler places that you or your teams uh, team members have worked from any any good stories there or any play anything that really stands out as a really cool place to work from um so obviously mike mentioned uh tracy and the rv um across the country or i think maybe predominantly on the west coast uh and so that's really in various parts of the country um you know we've had people just work really from you know you know the, the caribbean like the caymans we've had uh the philippines as well Mm-hmm. Um, Mike and I, I mean, probably not, not that unique, but when we were in California for zero con, yeah. we were working out of there from time to time. So really it was, but it's so easy as well. Like you're not even thinking about it. You have a laptop with you and you really can, can work from anywhere. Um, uh, we had someone actually recently work out of Hawaii, a, cu- a couple, a yeah. couple of people from Hawaii. And so, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, and what's, uh, What's next for you guys? Uh, we're just coming to an end here, but I want to hear what's next for uh, for Connect CPA. What's uh, what's on the radar? What's the next year look like for you guys? Uh, we we want to grow aggressively. We want to continue doing what we've been doing, and um, and we want to be first when it comes to innovation. And so, uh, a big part of what 2020 is going to look like is discussing strategy over what the next frontier is and uh and those are the fun conversations that we have and we have drinks over and and we come up with a lot of stupid ideas and a lot of great ideas and and but the fun part about it is the being first at something is about exploring what are people not doing right now and that and that's something that ryan when we started together back in 2013 14 cloud was new and it was it was something that no one was was taking part in and so it was an exciting time to be diving into something that was unknown that people hadn't seen before and the exciting thing now is now that the cloud is now it's far more well spread i wouldn't say that it's it's the predominant form of uh, media into accounting firms across the country but it's getting there and as each day passes it's going to become more and more the norm and so it's exciting to just have internal discussions about what is that next frontier that we're embarking on and i don't want to share all of our ideas but we whiteboard them and and that's a big part of what 2020 is going to entail implementing some of those ideas yeah are you, what do you what do you think the next frontier in accounting looks like then uh, I wish I could I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> we, Maybe another we time. We don't have all the answers, obviously. We don't. We don't. But but 
the, I think a common thread in 2020, and it's really every year, but you want to just improve on that is really the customer experience, right? Like uh, building, mm-hmm. just you know, looking at all your processes, building them out, improving them, breaking them down, building them back up, and just uh, getting feedback from customers, from team members, mm-hmm. and understanding where you can improve on that customer experience. I know you talk about it a lot. You talk about it a lot, Ryan, in your blog post, and so that's something that we we also uh, right. internally talk about a lot. And like the Uberizing of accounting, you talk about a lot as yep. well, Ryan. And like those are those are things that are. It's fun to think about those things. Like, what have other companies done yeah. in an industry to make the experience just outstanding? Like, you think of Airbnb, you think of Uber, and you think of what these yep. companies have done. You obviously you take things from what other companies have done in order to formulate brainstorming and, and ideas. And so, um, we we don't actually know exactly what our plan even is, but we have we have a blueprint of of what we're embarking on and yeah. uh but that's where we take our inspiration from from what other companies have done yeah and I, I think like i think that's a great way to doing it i think that's really what's separating you know the modern firms from the tr- more traditional firms is that focus on the customer journey and on customer experience and you know the fact that you guys have mentioned it throughout this episode uh, um you really sh- goes to show how you really understand where the market is at right now so kudos to you for that for that um uh, last question: If if people want to connect with either of you, if they want to maybe follow you on social media, what's what's the best place to uh, connect with both of you? Uh, you mentioned uh, Instagram. They can always add us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Connect CPA. They can find us just to you know just kind of see you know uh, what the firm's up to. But obviously, LinkedIn would be a, a great way to start as well, just to connect connect with us directly. And on top of that, we're on the main ones. Yeah, we're on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, but I'd say LinkedIn and Instagram probably the two best. Excellent. Good. Good stuff, guys. Well, uh, it's nice catching up with you as, uh, as always. Thanks and uh, appreciate your insights on this. And uh, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Ryan.